Coming to you live from the Chamber of Hunter Studios, this is Haunting You. I'm John Schultz. I'm Keone Hutton. And I'm Leslie Reed. You're welcome, John. <laughs> that did not have the intended effect. I'm not going to lie. That, that was a tremendous disappointment to me. What What was the intended effect? I, I was hoping you would spit out of the, you know, your drink or you know fall out of your chair out of surprise or something. You know. But what you don't understand is your intro is so long. I have plenty of time to both recover I know. and be ready to talk. Like I know. You got to work on that. Coming to you live from the Chamber of Hunter Studios, this is Haunting You. This is John Shelp. I'm Karen Hatton. And I'm Leslie Reed. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie, for bringing us back to, and, and grounding us. That you, like, Actually, you know, in, ver- in various ways, Leslie grounds me and John. John grounds me and Leslie. I don't think I ground you two, though. I'm, so, I, th- I think I'm the, the common thread here. <laughs> I, I need the grounding. Three, <laughs> I think all three of our spouses. Uh, I think all three of our spouses would vehemently disagree with you on that point. Yeah, but none of us ground each other. We only encourage. We only encourage worse. each other. Well, welcome to the Haunting You podcast, where we encourage each other, and we encourage all of you to build the home haunt of your dreams. You see how I worked that in? Was that that not not was that not smooth? (laughs) By the way, you want to at some point when you're doing the edit, you should listen to your when you said your name really quick. I could have sworn you said Captain Ahab. I am Captain Ahab. Given your hatred of dolphins, that actually kind of right. It it kind of works, right? Does your ship have a harpoon? No. Can we install one? This country. Yes. We probably could. Well, ships don't even have harpoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could install them. We could install what would your boss say if you said I need to requisition a harpoon? Cat, you know I what? I, I'm pretty. Harpoon. I'm going to do the research later, but I'm pretty sure that there is a national stock number for harpoons. And so I could actually order one. But I'm reasonably sure they're missiles now. Oh, <laughs> missiles aren't any fun. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the only harpoons in the stock system are actually like missiles. Um, I'm sorry. On what planet are you saying missiles are no fun? It doesn't have the same. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same feel to harpoon. Well, no, it certainly doesn't. But that doesn't make it not fun in its own way. If someone. Uh, if you were to say, if you harpooned someone, you, you sort of get a giggle out of it. If you missiled someone, it just doesn't... Maybe I, 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 I about disagree. It. I would still giggle. I, still I would giggle. still giggle. Harpooned is... Maybe it's just because harpooned is a much funnier <laughs> word than this. You were, you're, you, that is accurate. I would agree with that statement. I wouldn't disagree, but Welcome I would everyone. find both amusing. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Haunting You podcast. No, seriously, no. <laughs> it has been a long time since we were able to get together and podcast, as you all probably saw, because we did not actually successfully put out a podcast episode in the month of September, which is, like, for a Halloween podcast, really, really bad. Like, this is the prime we, time. We are not a Halloween podcast, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what are we? How what dare are you? What, what would you say we are, John? Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Complicated. You're going to look it up. We are complicated. We are definitely complicated. There is no doubt there. I believe we fall under hobbies. We do. That sounds right. Like hobbies hobbies slash entertainment. Hobbies and occasionally how-to, depending on the platform that I'm uploading Ah, to. 
It is. It is in fact hobbies. Leslie's correct. We are. We are a hobby podcast. So do you want to play? <laughs> because Halloween, like how to build some model airplanes next time. Oh, we could. Uh, oh, or harpoons. <laughs> and put them on ships. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> this actually, if we built them a harpoon, you wouldn't have to requisition. You could just show up to work. And it's like, hey, so I got this harpoon. So who wants to help? I'm seriously actually, debating cutting out like, all of this. <laughs> I mean, all things considered, you oh. probably should, but you know, you could always pick and choose some random. Uh, we'll we'll see. There. Honestly, we'll see what happens because like crazy things happen while I'm editing and. I cannot predict how thing, how it's going to work out until I listen to it. If, if I had a nickel for every time you said, I'm cutting that out, <laughs> and then left it in, I'd be a rich man. <laughs> that, that is, if I had a nickel for every podcast we did, I'd have like a dollar. How many five nickels? We, two dollars. Two dollars. I'd have almost say? two dollars. Right. I think yeah. Like, you'd be rich if we just like assigned a hunting you swear jar. <laughs> I would I well, would be rich sort of. if we said oh, do you swear jar. <laughs> well, unless the money comes from you. Speak actually speaking of which, uh that's a fair point, because I would just be paying it and then paying back <laughs> myself. Like it it'd be very circular. Kind of incestuous. Leslie and I might contribute like five or ten cents an episode and you might contribute like four dollars. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah. and and on that note, I want to apologize to all the people who listened to our last episode because <sighs> Uh, upon re-listening later, I realized I forgot to bleep a lot more than once. More than once. <laughs> and I apologize if you're listening with kids in the car or anything else like that. Hopefully that Monster. did not happen. <laughs> I'll, I will strive to do better. You but in the meantime, it... <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god, there. I missed you. Oh my god, I missed you. <laughs> So, holy crap, it is October 1st, and the month of September was just absolutely freaking wild. I, like, stuff has been happening in all of our lives that just did not allow us to get together. Uh, my ship is deployed, and before the ship deployed, I was helping build the Candle Lodge's ghost house. Like, two days before I deployed, I was at the ghost house putting final, the finishing touches on my space. It turned out beautiful, by the way. I am so excited and everyone should go check out our YouTube page at youtube.com slash at haunting you just the letter U, and see the video that I'm posting uh, or by the time this comes out will be posted because I built a New Orleans style crypt and did all the brickwork out of foam and it turned out freaking beautiful. I am. This is my favorite build that I have ever done now. I'm so excited Ooh. with how it turned out. That's high praise. Right. Like I love the crypt that I did for Sanguine. I love the uh, the the crematorium that I did for Sanguine. But this is a thing of beauty. Holy moly! It turned out great. It, but I had a I had a thought about you being able to use the crypt for yourself someday, and then remembered it was foam. So, ah, uh, you know, one day, one day, maybe I'll get into stonework, and and we'll see Just how that, cut turns that out. out. Just cut that out. Fair, fair, fair. But it is now October 1st, and we are into haunt season. Haunted houses are starting to open across the country. Many have uh, many opened just a couple of weekends ago, and it is it is incredibly exciting to see the reactions and, and all the hype uh, like through all the Facebook groups. I'm so excited to see the hype for this year because people are really excited to be going out to haunts. So I hope all of you are taking a moment away from your bills to go and check out some local haunts 
get inspired and uh, and appreciate all the work that is going in there. That actually, I think, is a perfect segue into what we want to talk about today because I made a very deliberate effort this year because I knew that, one, I was going to be underway for Halloween, and that was really just depressing. Two, I was not going to be able to build a haunted house. That means I potentially have some like free time to Such do things in October that I'm not able to normally do. And that is a freaking rarity. Oh, and the third thing, I'm transferring, you know, Coast Guard is going to move me to a new job again next summer. And so this is really my last year in California, which means it's my last opportunity to take in the California haunt scene. So all of these things have come together just in kind of a beautiful way that allowed me to make it to Halloween Horror Nights Hollywood for the first time in my life this year. And I want to spend the next hour talking about it because I have many, 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 many thoughts. Oh. Holy crap. First of all, uh, let, let's, let's talk ticketing. Like, we okay, really quick before we get too far when you were doing this whole thing i need to know a couple things what were okay. you wearing when you when uh, you arrived at I the went, scene what were you wearing i went incognito i was wearing a actually i was wearing my universal monsters shirt that glows in the dark oh. and um a universal halloween horror nights hoodie that i had okay. purchased the previous year so i was wearing last year's horror nights hoodie and a universal monsters Okay. Thing. So I was I was completely incognito. No, so no, no clipboard. No clipboard. Uh, I had a voice recorder with me so that I could uh, take notes as I was. You know, after each haunt, I wanted to be able to take notes so that I would have ideas fresh for when I go back to talk about the you know talk about it here. Okay. But I did okay. not have any outward sign that I was there as like a podcaster, a member of the industry, someone who was analyzing. Like I okay. wanted okay. the cu the customer experience. Sure. Right, I and you. and I think I got the customer experience. Like I, I very much feel like I got the customer experience. Let, let's talk tickets real quick. The so I'm a universal season pass holder because the military offers really awesome discounts on that, and if it pays for itself in two trips. And even though I live in San Francisco, we definitely make it more than twice in in a year. <laughs> Halloween okay, Horror Nights enough. is not captured in any of the annual passes, so it is a separate ticket. And I'm sorry, there's no way around that. That being said. It's it starts at seventy seven dollars, so it's not an unreasonable ticket for most nights. Uh, weekend nights go up a little bit more. I think it's one hundred and thirty ish or one hundred and ten ish, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. But considering it's Universal Studios, or like per person, that that is per person. But it's okay. getting you into Universal Studios. Many of the rides are still operating, not all of them because of where mm -hmm. some of the haunts are. But most of the rides were still operating. And because everybody's there for the haunts, the rides lines were five minutes across the board. So I jumped, I jumped on several rides that I'm not usually able to go on. One, because like I go, usually go with my kids and they have no interest in going on the Transformers ride or <laughs> the mummy really? ride. Yes, yeah, it, it's a little intense for them. Oh, OK. I mean, uh, like, uh, you said children? you. Yeah, I have interest. My children do not. Okay, but so yeah, right. so like that by itself worth the cost of admission if you're in, if you're into like thrill rides like that. But mm -hmm. because of my job and the fact that the ship was deploying and and all of these factors, I had one day, one day to experience Halloween Horror Nights in all of its glory, and so 
I sprung for the Universal Express Pass. This costs $269, but it got me basically the fast track line entry to every haunted house. So I never waited in a line more than 10 minutes to get into any of the nine attractions that were open that night. Okay, that's not bad. And because I was doing everything in one night, it is the only way I could have done it. Yeah, and that you have kids who are not known for their patience. Not your two, just children. Well, I, I did not take my kids. I went by myself. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. My bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I said that. Yeah, I went by myself. One, because my kids are terrified and would um, Universal does not allow people under 13 in to Horror Nights. Uh, okay, good to know. A wise decision. Uh, a wise a (laughs) fairly wise decision agreed yeah but so universal express pass got me into every ride fast but it only lets me or not ride well ride as well but every haunted house but i could only do each one once that way if i wanted to go back again i would have to stand in the regular line they also offer they call the universal express unlimited pass it's an extra 40 dollars, but you can go to you get the express lane as many times as you want to any attraction and then the thing that I loved, took advantage of, and don't understand why more people don't take advantage of, was the Horror Nights Early Access Ticket. Ooh, tell us about this ticket. It costs $10, and you get in an hour and a half early. Oh, that's worth it. It Ooh. was so worth it. I finished three haunted houses before the regular Everything opening. opened. <laughs> yes like brilliant and it's ten dollars i don't understand why everyone wasn't doing it that sounds amazing <laughs> so my recommendation if you're doing one night at horror nights the universal express pass was key to being able to do everything and the early access ticket ten dollars like it it's silly not to ten dollars for an extra hour and a half in the park yeah that sounds like worth a huge it. value holy cow huge value they also have what they call they call it the RIP tour, which is a VIP tour, but because it's haunted houses, RIP tour, where you actually have a tour guide who takes you around to the front of the line in every haunted house. And there's a bunch of other perks as well. I did not look at too much into it because it's $489 a person. And I oh. I could not justify that, even going by myself. Legit. Here we go. Guided walking tour of the event, one-time RIP entry to each haunted house, as well as select rides and attractions, reserved VIP seating at a live show, and the Universal Express Unlimited Pass. So there are there are definitely some perks. I did not take advantage because I could not justify that cost. That's the rest of it, so I could justify. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like Horror Nights this year was eight haunted houses, a behind-the-scenes look at many of the uh, horror movies that are coming out this year, as well mm-hmm. as a live show based on the movie The Purge. Interesting choice. Did not it know was, there was a live show for I'll, that. I'll, I'll talk more about that. Well, I'll come back to that. But like, that's what you're getting for the cost of this of this ticket. And I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that can boast eight haunted houses, a live show, like no, nobody else is, is able to pull that off. And so I think the ticket price is probably justified given just given that. 
you know, I think of like when I went to Winchester Mystery House, I think if, if I remember correctly, it was a $60 ticket. I'm doing eight haunted houses for for like for the price of four tickets to to Winchester. Like it, it, it yeah, it, it was easy to justify. Yeah, that sounds like a no brainer. Indeed. Indeed. So I, I kind of want to just talk about each haunted house first and then my my overall impressions of everything okay yeah because i'm curious as to yeah how you get your haunted house there are they just all done by universe i i have some i have some curiosities anything you want to throw out like before we like dive into the haunted houses well i think kind of my big question is is you know how do you are these all just internal to <clears> universal <throat> Yeah. Or do they yeah, yeah, bring yeah. in mm. other haunts and haunters, invite them to set up a haunt at Universal, and then kind of go from suspect, there? I suspect that it is all done by Universal because, well, one, they're able to, they're using licensed characters, but all, you know, okay. mostly Universal licensed characters. They okay. did have like a Stranger Things themed haunt that was, that I, I very much enjoyed. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> But like The Exorcist, The Last of Us, Chucky, these are all, the themes. The, the yes, the, the yeah, exactly. Okay. These are the themes of, of some question. of the houses. Okay, but there are, most of those are Universal properties, or they're partnering. Right. You know, they mm. bought the license for for those characters. So I think like one of the the big draws for for Universal is getting to see these horror movie characters come to life. Mm -hmm, for sure. The most of the well. The haunts were built in a variety of locations around the Universal property. Universal Hollywood is actually adjacent to the the Universal Studios lot where they actually do all the filming for Universal Studios. So some of the haunted houses were actually built on sound stages on the Universal lot, Ooh. which was kind of oh, cool. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Others were built under tents in a variety of places, like the The Last of Us. One was the tent was squeezed between a soundstage and an outbuilding just in this narrow walkway and seeing it from the outside, like looking down on it, it, it looks, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet long, 30 feet wide kind of, kind of shaped tent, but mm -hmm. inside it, it did not feel like it was just a big, long tent. Like it, what they, they did a spectacular job of, of making the, the space feel real, even inside a tent. And because I got there, you know, I had the early pass. So I was there at 530, got in through the gate at 530. And so the sun was still up. And even with the sun still up, they did a fantastic job of enclosing these uh, these worlds so that you really couldn't tell that the sun was up. Mm -hmm. The, the construction was was impressive. In many cases, I was I was impressed. I loved the the ceiling that they put throughout so they had the the big tent they had and every i'm gonna say just about every haunt had like 10 foot high walls and then over the ceiling they used like a, a stretchy material to make the ceiling they would cut out holes into that stretchy material for lights and things to to shine down but for the most part it was it was fairly thoroughly enclosed and i kind of liked it because it kept the world contained in itself there i wasn't seeing lights i wasn't seeing wires i wasn't seeing speakers that would pull me out of the storyline so it did a really good job of uh 
of blocking all of that out to keep us in the story. So it creates kind of that little bubble world where you just... It created the bubble beautifully. Okay. And consistently across all of the haunts. I saw very similar construction techniques throughout. Vast majority of the haunts were, you know, four by eight panels, Luan uh, over the top. But like the level of detail in most of these haunts was just absolutely beautiful. And I'm not surprised by that because it's freaking universal. These guys build worlds <laughs> for a living. Mm-hmm. There, there was one haunt I went through that did not live up to that standard. It was, the exor- was it? it was the exorcist haunt. Really? And yes, like I would not have called that. Right? Like gimme. Right. Yeah. But like, but the just the quality of construction in that particular haunt did not live up to the others, which I thought was kind of huh. fascinating. Huh. Very that odd. Not, yeah. Very odd. See that coming. All right. But okay, I'm 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 diving into details. Other other thoughts less? Mm-hmm. That well, I, I, think, I can answer as a precursor. So just in terms of, and I guess this kind of is less precursory and more as we go on, how effective would it be for home haunters, smaller haunts to utilize some of the techniques in terms of set building that universe? We could absolutely do it. Everything that I saw, I could achieve. And there are a ton of home haunters out there who I think are capable of pulling it off what has always frustrated me as i'm building has been ceilings because Mm -hmm. yeah it's so hard to find something that can stand up to the weather particularly the weather in colorado Mm -hmm. like if i just lay tarps (laughs) over the top we're gonna get snow it's gonna crash through anyway and it's it's not gonna do any good universal gets around that by using these massive like party tents right And they're very strong. They're um, big, fat pipes, can take a lot of weight. and But you can't see any of that because they're putting the material over the top of the walls. So Uh you have the protection from the elements, from these really rugged tents, but you're still creating the world inside underneath. And even better, like that gave them a ton of room between where the ceiling is on the haunt and the top of the tent to be putting all of those other things, fog machines right. and haze machines and lighting and audio. Cord sound. Cord it's sound. Basically, instead all of trying of to run everything on, underfoot Ooh. and prevent a tripping it's hazard. All above the, can... It's all above the ceiling. It's, it's a fantastic setup. And if I could get hold of enough tents, we could absolutely freaking do this in my driveway. Like, yeah. But tents are expensive. Mm-hmm. So and, and I'm not sure saying... I want to rent a tent for the. Maybe I do want to rent a tent. Like that, that may be something we look into in the future. So if you can't but... buy it and you're not interested in renting it, <laughs> it only leaves one option: find it in the trash. <laughs> you watched the end of that yes, one, John. That's what I was going to say. That is what I was going to I say. I know. I know it is. I knew it. Dumpster diving. I knew yes. you were going to recommend that, 100%. John. Thank you for bringing it yeah. up. yeah we do endorse that too we do you do no one else does let's be very clear on that point all right all right so before i before i jump in do you guys remember a couple of years ago when i went to their walking Mm -hmm. dead attraction you were very disappointed Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm a little surprised to hear that they pulled it 
hold it out this time around. <laughs> well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> All I've said so far is the construction was beautiful. Uh, this let's, is true. Let's be clear on that. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about the haunts. This is about the to f- get rough. Before you before you start, please okay. remember if you see any well, if you remember any weenies in any of this, please make sure to let us know. Indeed. It, I, I okay. will indeed. And I, and I want to just take a moment real quick to, to warn all the listeners. There are going to be a little bit of spoilers ahead. Um, Good call. I, I really can't talk about Horror Nights and, and the attractions without talking about what I saw. And so if you have not gone to Horror Nights, if you are planning to go to Horror Nights and want to be surprised, stop listening right now and come back to this episode of the podcast after you have gone. Because I am not going to censor anything. I am going to give you my honest and completely biased, unfiltered. Opinion. Yeah, I'm going to give you my honest and unfiltered opinion of of what I saw and and what I experienced. There will be f bombs. There will definitely be f bombs. There always and a quiz are. at the end. Make sure you take notes. <laughs> Wait, is that for us? Yeah, I am definitely quizzing you, John, and there will be maps involved. All right, I'm, I'm busy. I got to do this. <laughs> so like i said i got there yeah i got there at 5 30 uh gates open at 5 30 and in fact the gates opened a little bit before that so they could start pushing people through and um because i got the early access pass i was among the first i don't know thousand ish probably not actually thousand but it was a massive crowd i was there on a thursday and it was still freaking shoulder to shoulder like it was packed i was there on a thursday because Friday, Saturday, Sunday of when I was going to be in town were sold out. And Thursday was the only day that had any tickets left. By the time I got there, though, it was also sold out. So every night that weekend, completely sold out. So immediately booked it down to the lower lot where they had four haunts set up. And the first haunt I went to, because I am a massive fan, I had to go to the Exorcist haunt first. I did not understand that this haunt was based on the new Exorcist movie that's coming out in October. Aww. Oh, okay. See, I that, would have. Assu- I would not have known that. I would have assumed. I I did as well, and I'll be honest. I was disappointed by the haunt, and I think a big part of why I was disappointed was because I didn't understand the storyline. The storyline is it, haven't seen well, the I'd movie like, because like it's not out yet. Stop you right there, though. Go ahead. You don't know the storyline. That should make no difference because you walk into almost any right. haunt not yes. knowing the storyline. Right. Yes. I was just thinking so that. Regardless of whether the film is out or not, that shouldn't affect a somebody's understanding of right. a haunt you, and the storyline as you go through. You just nailed it on the head, Les. And that, that was very, be independent very frustrating. Of the film. I, I saw this several times on several of their haunts because so they have a few that are like just generic monstery type haunts, mm-hmm. and, and I'll talk about those. But they have several that are also very specific to a movie or very specific to a TV show that follow the mm-hmm. movie, follow follow the plot of the movie, follow the plot of the TV show. And they were very different types of haunts. They, they were set up very differently. And for for someone like me, not necessarily – well, I've – I just freaking love haunted houses, right? 
I want to be able to walk into any haunted house and enjoy myself and by and not understanding the storyline just makes it a series of jump scares and uh, Mm -hmm. really beautiful, potentially not in this case, really beautiful sets and lighting. And I can appreciate all of that. But without the story to draw me in, I'm I'm just walking through dark halls. Yeah, it's just an average haunted house that you're not really you're not involved you don't have that i'm not involved that, that's it i'm not involved i'm not invested in the storyline i'm not involved in the storyline and it it changes was the this, experience significantly was this like a a push it now that you've been to this haunt, go see the new movie that opens in theaters blah 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 i i suspect so because the like the haunt com- or excuse me the movie comes out like in mid-october so it's going to be out here in a couple of weeks but the but the haunt's been open since early September. Like, there's no way the people who come to Horror Nights for the first almost month are going to have seen the movie. And I was so confused walking through that haunt that probably because of my preconceived notions that, you know, Exorcist. Sure. I didn't understand the scenes I was looking at. But I think that's a pretty, that would be a, I mean, Leslie and I assume the same thing. So, I mean, that. That's a, that's a fair, fair assumption to make. Hmm. I, I think so as well. And that left a sour taste in my mouth when I was done with that haunt. And it was so disappointing because it was the first one I went to. And I was like, <laughs> this, was my third, this was my third least favorite. Third least, oh. <laughs> it ended up being my third. Yeah. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I can't wait to get to your least favorite. Of the nine attractions, this was number seven. Okay. Of my, it was my, it was my seventh favorite out of nine. I ranked it number seven out of nine. And how many and it was all, does it get? You can't give me a right number. That we don't, we haven't established a scale. You're, you're right, but we we should totally establish a scale. In fact, we're going to establish <laughs> a scale right now. Five, five jack o' lanterns. No, wait, wait, okay. out of five. Like, I, I'd say we do it out of five, right? Okay with that. I would give this a solid two. Ouch. Maybe one and a half. That, I don't know if that's solid, man. Like, I feel like three <laughs> is solid. <laughs> no, sorry, like, all right. And, and, and honestly, it all came down to story. Sure. Because, because I could not understand the story of what was going on, I could not enjoy the haunt for what it was. Well, and you can, I, it I spent like the you entire time, that. I spent the entire so, time wondering. What is going on? And that's something you and can get from any any haunted house, any generic haunted house you walk in. You expect something a little bit more from a place like Universal. Yeah, absolutely, hmm. absolutely. So that that what that experience was a little bit disappointing. But it's going to get better, Universal. You can still sponsor us if you want. <laughs> we can help. Don't worry, it'll get better. It'll get better. But 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 here's the thing. Like I'm super excited to go see the movie now. <laughs> So if their goal is to get people to go see the movie, you know what? Nailed it. <laughs> but I your marketing call it, worked I did, you. Your marketing worked. I did not enjoy it as a haunted house. No, right, fair enough. Yeah, they have your money. <laughs> They're probably good. <laughs> they already, that's it. They already got my money. If, if some of them fell flat, that, that they're probably not feeling too bad about it. I don't know. If they're getting you in the theater to see it, then they're probably calling that a win. Yeah, they're getting my money again. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's really all I want to talk about the the haunt, the the Exorcist haunt. I, I have some other thoughts on it, but as I've found out, it's really thoughts about how they run their 
their haunted houses in general more than about that one. So I'll save that for the end. So the next haunt I went to was called Holidays in Hell. (laughs) H-O-L-I-D-A-Y-Z. Holidays in Hell. And the concept I found really amusing. I already like it. There's not a storyline exactly, but it takes you through a year. And you walk through rooms that are that celebrate different holidays through the year. So you start out at New Year's and then you go to Valentine's Day and then say Patty's Day, Easter, the 4th of July. And then uh, I think it's it jumps just right annual to holidays. Halloween. Oh, okay. and, yeah, just annual holidays. And then Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And okay. and there was a scene based on each one of those holidays and a different monster based on each of those holidays. So like the, oh, I don't even, I, I'm not sure I can say what the monster was for Valentine's Day, but it was eating a heart, <laughs> which I, I was amused by. And okay, okay. like, you know, rabid Easter bunny, uh, evil leprechaun. That's redundant. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Okay. Fair. I loved <laughs> the, the scene at Thanksgiving because they reversed it, had a turkey family eating oh, Thanksgiving no. dinner <laughs> with a person on the platter. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I cracked up at that scene. All right, that's pretty good. <laughs> it was it was creative. It was amusing. It was I wouldn't go so far as to say there was a coherent storyline, but there was at least a coherent theme. And the way they executed it was was really amusing. It it was entertaining. How's that? I mean, something like that. It doesn't sound like you need to nail down anything like real specific for a, for a story. And, and absolutely not. I was impressed that come Christmas there was not a Krampus. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> I appreciated that there was not a Krampus because I feel like that has gotten crazy over the last few years. Mm. But yeah, I like it was it was fun. I I I enjoyed it. I was never scared at any points inside that haunted house. Okay, but it was, hold on, but seeing their the way that they portrayed each of the each of the holidays in a frightening manner was very creative. I would ask, is it really fair to grade them on a scale of if they have scared you? I think is it is that- fair. Oh no! You're not exactly like you, but you're not exactly your average guest. You're you're that is accurate. You're great while you're doing this. You, you that is true, and I will explain later why I did not get scared because I didn't pick up looking on, at the production value. I mean, <laughs> there is some of that, but like I'm so distracted looking at the production value, they should be able to scare me. I don't know because my attention is not necessarily. In many cases, I was looking for actors, but in a lot of cases, I was like, I would have put an actor there. Why is there no actor there? How much were they using actors versus animatronics? A lot. Every haunt had at least 15 actors in it. Ooh. And like, okay. the, the, to be fair, these are not enormous walkthroughs. Like every no. walkthrough probably sure. took me 10 minutes to get through. Uh-huh. But to pack 10 or 15 actors into a 10-minute walkthrough, like, that's a lot of actors. Yeah. 
and the despite that, to do something about the writer strike is uh, unresolved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and despite that, I never got scared, which was a little bit disappointing. Didn't, didn't they come to an agreement? Like they have the, a tentative. the writer, the writers have a tentative agreement, but the uh, the actors, sure. Well, the actors have nothing at this point, but the um, the members of the union still have to vote on that agreement, so no. nothing's finalized yet. No, but they're they're, still they're not picketing. Up in the air. We're, we're still waiting yep. for Doctor Acula. We're still waiting for Doctor Acula. That is accurate. Someday. So holidays in hell. I would give it a. I would give that two pumpkins, solidly. Okay. Um, you know, it was it was creative. It was original. I enjoyed the the way that they um, they kind of portrayed every or they I guess the way they spookified every holiday. Uh, but it was not very scary, and the the scares were not particularly original. Okay. Which, as I found out, was was a theme throughout the rest of the night. <clears throat> Spoilers. <laughs> uh, so, I, honestly, I rated it lower than Exorcist. That was number eight of nine on my mm. on my list. But it sounds like you enjoyed it more. <laughs> I, in retrospect, I think I've enjoyed it more. But there, there was at least enough scenes in the Exorcist haunt that. I thought they did spectacularly. Like there was one hospital scene where I assume the Antichrist or some similar, like some demon is trying to burst out of a woman. And the way the scene was put together, very well done. Very much enjoyed. What a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas Holidays in Hell, like it it was creative, it was it was amusing. It was not a surprises. No surprises. the the Thanksgiving scene is the one that really sticks out in my memory, and the rest of them were just kind of like, eh, sure, you know, okay, legit, okay. So from there, I went to Stranger Things, and okay. this haunt is based very heavily on the fourth season of Stranger Things. I am a huge Stranger Things fan. My wife I and I have my wife my wife and I have watched every season. We love it. And I was so looking forward to this haunt. It literally walks you through the storyline of season four, almost episode to episode. It's walking you through the seasons. And so like it starts off at the trailer park. In fact, the facade for it is, is the trailer. And like, it's, it's so throughout this haunt, it's so like screen accurate. It felt like it brought me into the show. I loved that. It was that was fantastic. And the the audio soundtrack that they're using straight out of the show. And so same thing. It feels it really feels like it's dragging you into the show. And because it's a series I know, it's a series I love, it's a storyline I know. It was very easy for me to slip into the storyline and get lost in the storyline in this case in a way that I Mm -hmm. couldn't on Exorcist. So again, relying on prior knowledge of the... Relying on prior knowledge, exactly. And while I don't think most haunts can take advantage of that, Universal can in a way I think no one else can. Yeah, which means it's kind of sad that they aren't doing a great job of it in other places. (laughs) (laughs) But again, like... Universal, call us. Yeah, call us. We will help. In fact, now I'm more inspired than ever. Like, I I can help. But like some uh, some scenes in this one, we we saw Vecna a lot. Uh, Vecna is the main uh, the main bad guy in season four, and he popped up several times. 
throughout the haunt. So clearly multiple actors who were wearing the same costume, but gives you the that's feeling. Also a- costume that can be on multiple actors without losing absolutely 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 you know the whole thing is it, it's basically a giant latex suit anybody can put on the suit and you're not losing anything <laughs> and so it's very easy to shift actors into the into this role but by having him follow us throughout the haunt gave it a oh effect is chasing us kind of feel and it and it was wonderful it literally took us through, like I said, scenes from the from the show. So we had the trailer park. We went out into the desert where uh, where the lab was. We uh, ended up in the the upside down and uh, and in the forest with like the trees and the clocks and like oh my god, it was so well done. It was beautiful. Five pumpkins. Five pumpkins. Stranger Things gets a five pumpkins. Uh no, Stranger Things gets a four and a half pumpkins. What drove me nuts on this one was the audio. It was so freaking loud. My eardrums were vib- were like hurting Ouch. by the end of it. And this is a this is one of those things that I noticed kind of throughout you all of the haunts. They were all very, very loud. I'll get into why later, but it was a little overwhelming by the end of the night. I was numb by the end of the night to the point where it really wasn't affecting me anymore because they had kept me at such a high level of anxiety, intensity. It it, it was noise. It was noise by the end. That was very frustrating, but not specifically about Stranger Things. So Stranger Things, solid four and a half out of five. It was my favorite haunt of the night. And then the last one they had in the lower lot was based on the TV show Last of Us. This this is a show that is on my list. I think it's an HBO show. It is. Based on a video game, yeah. I have not seen it yet. I have heard fantastic things about it. I really want to see it. We just haven't made it to it yet. And my wife wants to see it as well. So like we're, especially deployment season and haunt season, like we have a hard time getting together and watching shows. So we're, we're a little behind. But I'm very excited about this show. And after seeing The Haunt, I'm even more excited about the show because holy crap, it was awesome. So... Let me back up for a second. Exorcist and Stranger Things were both built inside sound stages, so they had complete control of their environment, and they used that very effectively. Holidays is the first one I went into built inside a tent, and I don't think that one hid the outside nearly as well as some of the other ones did. Sunlight was getting in very thoroughly and ruined the effect, I think, in a, in a, a number of places. I'm actually curious if I would have enjoyed that one more if I had gone later in the night, but there was no way for me to follow up on it. Last of Us was built under a tent, squeezed between two buildings. And so it may have as well have been inside because Big Black Tent did a really good job blocking out the light. And you have solid walls on either side of you. So uh, very, very controlled environment. The facade for it was kind of cool. They actually had two of the two actors outside kind of interacting with each other and setting up the backstory before saying let's go and disappearing into into the haunts and those two characters popped up repeatedly throughout i i don't know who the characters are i don't know names so i'm i'm sorry i can't give you more detailed but like the pedro pascal character and then the little girl that that's who we were seeing throughout the hunt the um the monsters from last of us again i haven't seen the show don't know what they're called but these things with like fungus pieces growing out of them absolutely revolting 
fucking amazingly done on the actors themselves. Like the amount, I don't know if they were mass, if they were prosthetics, I'm, I'm not sure, but holy crap, the costuming was spectacular. It's a good show. <laughs> what are they, what are they called, show. John? The, what are those um, monsters called? Can, do you know? No, I can look it up. I'm thinking that, that, that everything okay. I'm thinking is from Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, they are fungus monsters, if I remember correctly. It's a virus slash fungus that in- mm-hmm. infects people and either turns them into zombie esque or these fungus beans. Mm, it's a fungus. See, they it's have a fungus. Well, types. that explains. They are different types in the game. So they're clickers, bloaters, shamblers. Uh, <laughs> and I think they also just refer to them as the infected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like and like I said, I I think this costuming on this one was absolutely freaking spectacular. It was they were beautifully done, and I'm very I, I would love to know how they made those costumes because they had to have been incredibly resilient because the actors were moving around a lot and and jumping from behind stuff, and I have to imagine they're crashing that thing into the walls all the time, and and yet they're holding up. So super cool. Really enjoyed the costuming there. This is another one where we had multiple actors playing the same characters. And so we're getting to see the characters kind of progress through the storyline. And I was fairly impressed by how close the actors look to each other because it's very clearly they're not wearing masks. They're not there. It's it's just them. But they did a very good job with the makeup and the costuming to make the make these actors look like each other. It, It was very well done. I was impressed. And the again, I don't I didn't know the storyline, but in this one, it didn't really matter because it was at least like a coherent storyline. It The story was told well through the over the course of the scenes. And I think having the actors out in front prior to entering the haunt and setting up backstory helps enormously. It gave me enough of an understanding of what I was going to see that I wasn't completely lost as I was walking through. Uh huh. Something that drove me crazy, though, and this was the first time that I took note of it. You know, those like plasticky screens that you use for going, say, in and out of a refrigerator that the doors open all the time, you know, slats. Universal was using those constantly to break up scenes. And I don't fully understand why. The corridors were very twisty, turny, back and forth, very short sight lines. And yet they were still using these curtains to further break up the sight lines. And yet there was like, there were several places where there would be two of these curtains, one right after the other with maybe, I don't know, three or four feet in between. So you're inside a little square room with curtains on either side. Nothing happens inside this little room. Why are there two sets of curtains? I don't understand. I wonder if it's either for COVID protocols or just throughput management. I don't know. I, le- I legitimately do not know. I doubt it was throughput management for reasons that frustrate the crap out of me. And I will talk about more <laughs> later, but I don't understand. I, I truly don't understand. And I'm very curious why, because they didn't seem to add anything and they drove me nuts. <laughs> You're just wondering what they were for the whole time. I, I was, and, and but more than that, like it was taking me out of the story, because every time I had to take a moment and move one of these things out of my way, suddenly I'm confronting a screen. I'm confronting 
a curtain instead of a monster. I mean, and it annoyed curtains me. Curtains can be monstrous. Yeah. Curtains can be monstrous. And if one of those curtains had f***ing attacked me, I would be less angry about it. But because they use them so Kate. much. <laughs> I was going to say. I they use them so the much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh God, absolutely freaking. <laughs> It'd be quite a challenge. So I absolutely freaking loved the last of us haunt it was very beautifully done i love the way that they uh, they brought us into the storyline they explained the storyline the storyline was coherent the set was freaking beautiful throughout and they made really effective use of the space that they had in this super long thin tent stuffed between two buildings like everything about this freaking perfect solid four and a half maybe five out of five pumpkins here like Absolutely phenomenal. I loved every minute of it. I have the only complaints I have were the same complaints that I have with every haunt that Universal put on, just the way that they run their haunts. This was number two on out of out of my nine. This was number two. Mm-hmm. Only because I knew Stranger Things. I haven't seen Last of Us, so I like the Stranger Things a little bit better. But in terms of like quality of the haunt, Last of Us might be a little bit better than Stranger Things was. Ooh. I'm multitasking now, designing the haunt for you in my head. There are a lot of curtains and a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not a haunt. That's like my hell. <laughs> yeah, potato, potato. Fair, fair. <laughs> so from there, uh, so that was the last of the 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 haunts that were down in the lower. Uh, the lower lot there were you know there's a bunch of rides down there jurassic park ride was open i do that one all the time i didn't feel the need to do it again that night i went on transformers for the first time had a lot of fun i had not been on it before it was a blast uh the mummy ride it's a solid dark roller coaster okay but you know what like what surprised me about the mummy ride it's a solid dark roller coaster but as you're like running through the hallways you see like Blacklight respondent figures painted onto plywood hanging off to the sides. And I remember thinking as I'm riding this roller coaster, well, I could have done that. (laughs) (laughs) So that surprised me. Because like the queue line for the ride is freaking beautiful. It it it's uh, like an ancient Egypt theme. You're going like into a temple, and like the queue line's amazing. The ride did not live up to the queue line, which surprised me. That is rough. Queue <laughs> 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 line was better than the actual. Okay, right. Ooh, I wonder. I anyway, top telling jokes at yours. Okay. <laughs> So I'm, 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 yeah, no more, no more to say about that. So from there, headed back up to the, to the upper lot. Okay, before we head to the upper lot, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors, and then we will jump into the last half of my experience. Now, one of my family's favorite things to do anytime we go to Universal Studios Hollywood is take the back lot tour. And if you have never, if you've only been to Orlando, you've never been to Universal Hollywood, you probably don't know about the back lot tour. The back lot tour is exactly what it sounds like. They take you down onto the back lot in, in these trams 
and give you a tour of where they film movies and TV shows and, and all these things. They have a bunch of scenes set up from uh, from movies, like sets that were created for the movies that you actually get to go through. They have a whole area of like movie cars where where you can see like night the Night Rider car and there's Jurassic Park cars there. Um, the car from uh, Back to the Future is there, and Delorean. a ton of a ton of cars Yay. from the Fast and the Furious franchises. But like, if you love movies, you have to go on this tour. <laughs> it is so freaking cool. They actually have like one whole soundstage set up where they bring the trams in, and then uh, they worked with Peter Jackson to create a 360 degree immersive experience based on the King Kong movie from the early 2000s where Ooh. King Kong is fighting the T-Rexes and the tram is in the middle of it. And so King Kong jumps on it and it's moving up and down and moving back and forth and the T-Rex roars and you get sprayed with its spit. It is a fantastic <laughs> immersive experience and, and it's all in 3D. Ta- you're work- how many times have your Go kids drug you through that? Every time. Every time we go, they want to see it. Like, <laughs> but then they've also got like all these practical effects. There's one, there's a subway station where uh, you drive into the subway station and while you're in there, there's an earthquake and things catch on fire and the roof collapses and water comes rushing in and a train derails and it's all happening right there with you. Like it's all automatic animatronics and, and effects, but it is so freaking cool so if you've never been to universal studios hollywood go to universal studios hollywood and take the backlot tour it is well worth your time it is freaking fantastic that sounds awesome all of that said it's super cool (laughs) all of that said that is not what they were doing tonight for halloween horror nights they modify they set up a haunt over the course of the the backlot tour so we all loaded up onto trams and then the tram drove us to the first location and the first location is the bates motel where norman bates is normally dragging his mother out of the hotel and putting her into the back of a car (laughs) so that that like they take us to the hotel and then they drop us off make us get out of the vehicle the tram and we have to walk through the a bunch of these movie sets that they have modified the storyline to to meet this new story. And so the haunt was called Terror Tram, the Exterminators, with a Z again. And when you get on the tram, the first thing that happens is uh, the tour guide says, you know, welcome, welcome to Halloween Horror Nights and all this stuff. And then in the middle of her talking, an alarm goes off and a woman comes over the the screens on the tram where Jimmy Kimmel is normally providing commentary. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Fair enough. It wasn't Jimmy Kimmel. It's not Jimmy Kimmel. Um, the one from SNL who was partners with Tina Fey on... Jimmy Fallon? Jimmy Fallon. Sorry, Jimmy Fallon provides commentary. Oh, that's much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I love you less. <laughs> so, but anyway, alarm goes off and this woman comes on talking about, oh, uh, there, there's been a breach. At, I forget what exactly the storyline was, but basically bugs are now able to mutate and they've become as large as humans. Oh, and then, and right. as we're watching, an ad comes on. Like picture the most sleazy used car salesman you can imagine. 
Okay. Now imagine that that used car salesman is a giant cockroach. I mean, stick with me. Stick with me. (laughs) You're not wrong, but like, so like the attitude of a used car salesman, but he's a giant cockroach. And oh yes, he's an exterminator. And this exterminator is taught is pitching this new uh, anti-human poison that they have created that uh, is the consistency of a milkshake and smells like a cheeseburger and tastes like warm apple pie and is completely irresistible to humans. I mean, really, all you have to do is give us coffee with cyanide and 90% of the people will drink it and have no clue, but oh, sure. I'd be dead sure, complexicate that. <laughs> Made it way harder than it needs to be. Fair, fair. But but that's the storyline. The storyline is now the bugs have taken over the world and are trying to exterminate humans. And they drop us off at the Bates Motel where we now come face to face with Larva Larry and his exterminators. So we're walking through the base motel. They're like spraying us with stuff. They're, uh, in fact, we got off the tram and we're immediately confronted with like seven giant insects with chainsaws. Because you, as you do, you know, as you do. <laughs> but then, like, we're, Which we're walking legs through. Are they using to do to manage the chainsaws. I did not look closely enough. I'll pay closer attention next time. Okay. But. So we're now we're walking through the hotel and they've got a bunch of scenes set up of bugs trying to exterminate humans. And my favorite scene from that section was they had taken like the metal springs from a bed and strapped a person to it and then hooked it up with electricity and were electrocuting him. It was wonderful. I loved it. It was beautiful. But then like we go from there up to another section where the so uh, the movie War of the Worlds, there's a giant plane crash scene where a 747 crashes into a suburban neighborhood. To make that scene, Steven Spielberg went to an airplane junkyard and bought a 747 and then broke it up to to build this set. And that set still exists on the back lot of Universal. So that's the set that we walked through. <laughs> nice. And like you don't have to do much to change it. They just added, you know, the some bugs here some signage here and and it's just a disaster zone it's it's freaking perfect it was and like getting to be up close to to this set that i've only ever seen from the tour on the tram was super cool by itself but i loved the way that they took an existing set that they have and modified it to create uh, to fit the storyline it, it was absolutely freaking wonderful yeah so we we go from we go from there and then uh the there were a couple other scenes but the the last one was um a scene from the new movie nope have you seen that less n-o-p-e i did yeah i didn't either ashley (laughs) did and she loved it she said i need to watch it um but they have a whole new scene now set up from that movie and so we walked through the uh the city that um from, from that movie and just freaking bugs everywhere like the the costuming fantastic i love the way that they used existing sets and modified it to make the to fit the storyline mm-hmm. the um the way that they brought us into the story just by loading stuff on the tram and then literally dropping us off into the world was perfect mm-hmm. because it took us out of the amusement park and dropped us into the scene it was it was excellent very 
very much enjoyed it. And, and then at the end, they picked us back up on the tram and, and took us back in. <laughs> it, it was a blast. That's funny. That's also a really good way of doing things, though. It was a surprisingly good way of doing things. And it made me think of, like, um, Fear Factory and Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the parking because of where they are to, to have a whole bunch of people. And so they right. actually run a bus from a local mall to bring them out to the haunted house. What a way to get your guests out of their world and into your world than literally loading them up onto a bus and driving them to your world. Mm-hmm. Like as long as your the experience is immersive from the moment they get off the bus, it's a perfect way to set them up for coming into your world. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about parking because they're all parking at the mall. Yep. That solves a lot of problems. <laughs> so the tram, absolutely freaking solid. Uh, I give it four out of five pumpkins, but surprisingly, number six on my list. Interesting. That just means that it's got to get better from here, right? (laughs) (laughs) We certainly should hope. We should hope, indeed. So from the tram, now I've got two, three, four. Yeah, there are four, four haunts left at this point. And I, I'm basically halfway through my night, and it's been like two hours at this point. So I'm I'm rocking <laughs> it all because of this unlimited pass or the express pass. It was well worth it. So the next two were were set up like I had the hardest time finding the next two haunts because they were set up outside what is normally considered the park. You had to we had to, so I had to go up through Harry Potter Land. Oh my god, I have to talk about Harry Potter Land. So now or later now, right now, because I had to go through it in order to get to the next two haunts. Universal has done a phenomenal job bringing the world of Harry Potter to life in Univ- or in Florida. They have two separate parks there. And in one park, they've built Diagon Alley. In the other park, they've built Hogsmeade. And they have the Hogwarts Express that will take you between the parks, between these two parts of the movie. And it is immersive. It is beautifully crafted. It is movie realistic. They are some of my favorite lands of any amusement park anywhere because they are so freaking perfect. They brought the movie to life in just such a spectacular way. And But in Hollywood, they only have the one park. They only have Hogsmeade. There's no Diagon Alley in in Hollywood, which is an enormous disappointment to my children because there's a giant freaking dragon on top of Gringotts Bank in Florida that breathes mm-hmm. fire once an hour. Might be every 15 minutes, something like that. So it's got to be more it's than spe- that. It's spectacular. But Hogsmeade is still absolutely beautiful. And like you go in there and there's a wand shop and there's uh, the candy shop straight from the book. I can, I freaking love their, um, what's the, what's the drink? Well, honeydukes, yeah, it's honeydukes. Butterbeer. They sell butterbeer, and it is beautiful. I love it. It is wonderful. I got a butterbeer that night, in fact. But not, not where I'm going with this. For Halloween Horror Nights, the Death Eaters have taken over Hogsmeade. Nice. There, so you have people wandering around in Death Eater robes, Death Eater masks, um, and there is a whole 
uh, a whole alley that you walk through that they have taken over. Smoke filled the air everywhere. You have people up on top of boxes casting spells and special effects happening right there in your face. It was immersive. It was so freaking beautifully done. Go check out our Instagram because I posted videos from it. They had like projection mapping of the Hogwarts castle and the dark mark appears on the tower. It's so beautifully done. And it was just such a great element. Even though there was no haunted house anywhere here, bringing the darkness of Harry Potter into the land kept it within the character of the land and gave us an ex- the opportunity to experience that part of the story, a part that we don't mm-hmm. normally get to experience at the parks. It was so freaking cool. Oh my God, I loved it. But I was only walking, but we were only walking through because I was on my way to two other haunted houses. So I had to go all the way to the end of Harry Potter land, past the Hogwarts castle where there's normally a wall. The wall was open and we got to go backstage of the park to get to these other two haunted houses. The first one was called Monsters Unmasked. And I'll be honest, I under I misunderstood the theming of this one. My fault, not theirs. I assumed it was the classic Universal movie monsters mm-hmm. and a, a, a theme based around that. It was not. Okay. It was transported us to France and then dug into legends and storylines that all take place around Paris. So like we had the Phantom of the Opera. We had uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. We had um, Hunchback in Notre Dame. Hunchback. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly the one I was trying to get to. Um, <laughs> the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And uh, it took us into like the Paris catacombs. And uh, it took us into Notre Dame and it took us into Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's laboratory. And it was awesome. I loved it. The, I wouldn't say, so the storyline was, was not coherent. I don't know how to, I don't know how it was not cohesive. Yes. Cohesive. Cohesive. It was not cohesive. It was absolutely coherent. It was not cohesive, but it was like I was visiting Paris and just happened to be running into all of these creatures of legends. And mm-hmm. honestly, it freaking worked. It worked great. I thought it was awesome. I loved their portrayal of the different characters. So like Quasimodo was so much more hideously disfigured than any other rendition I've seen. Probably closer to like the, the say, book. Probably what hugo actually meant it probably I mean, they, exactly they, exactly he got very disneyfied <laughs> and then again i'm still beyond amused that disney decided that hunchback was the best option for a disney film yeah i will, ne- I will never i will never not think that's hilarious but like the the, Je- the jekyll and hyde uh scene we actually had dr jekyll there in the lab he drinks the potion he disappears behind a counter and then a monster comes roaring out at us like seeing the transformation right there in front of us and i think they did a very good job of of doing the transformation just dropping him out of sight for a second another actor pops up in a completely different costume but slightly related it was Mm -hmm. it was awesome it was absolutely flawlessly done and and then like we had the phantom in his lair playing the uh, playing the pipe organ, and then and then you know lunging at us and and jumping at us and it was it was awesome. 
I had so much fun in that haunt. It was great. Nice. I, I give it a solid four. Uh, and it was number four. It was the fourth best haunt I went to that night. Okay. Right across the street was the next haunt. And this was a haunt based on Chucky. Oh. If you don't know who Chucky is, where the hell have you been? Because he has been one of the most like reused characters since the 80s in, in Universal Horror. He's got six movies or something like that now. Like something absolutely crazy. But he is a doll that becomes imbued with the spirit of a serial killer and then the doll comes to life with the spirit and goes on a rampage trying to kill people it is he has a worse potty mouth than i do and <laughs> they capitalized on that in this haunt before you even walked into this haunt so you start out in the queue line at the factory where they're making the good guy doll and the facade for the haunt is literally just a, I don't know, 15, 20 foot tall stack of good guys in their boxes, 20 feet tall, 20 feet wide with an arch in the middle that we go in to enter the haunt. And above that arch is one box that has a TV screen behind it with an animated, with the animated Chucky stuck inside his box talking to the crowd and <laughs> he's swearing at the crowd and and just going wild in a way that only chucky can but every time he does he's getting bleeped like <laughs> censored and he addressed it he's like why are you bleeping bleeping me one of those was a bleep and the other one he actually said bleeping it's uh -huh. in my con it's in my contract that I'm allowed to say so and so f bombs in every movie. What are you doing? Like, the, he he broke the fourth wall. He addressed what was happening, and we're just sitting in the queue line, and he's entertaining us. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was so much fun. And then we actually enter the haunt, and now we're seeing scenes from various Chucky movies. So um, there's. You know, the original Chucky, there's the Bride of Chucky, there's the Spawn of Chucky. And we're seeing characters from all of these coming or being brought to life inside the haunt. Oh, shit. Leslie, remind me to talk about the rack. Talk about the rack. Talk about the rack. Do not let me forget. Okay. The, so we're seeing all the scenes from the movies in, inside here. And Chucky is popping up just left and right. Some of them are animatronics. Some of, there was one that was actually like a, per, a puppet where the person was wearing Chucky on their arm, had a fake arm, very, you know, a la VFX, and uh, they were attacking themselves with the Chucky puppet, as, but they were controlling it. It was, it was a perfect use of a puppet. I pretty loved it. And then at the, we get to the end, and there is a, like, nine-foot-tall Chucky doll that is the last thing that we see that comes lunging out of us and swinging his knife and trying to gut us. It was freaking great. <laughs> That's, that's hilarious i love it it was absolutely hilarious i loved every minute of it and i this this is one of those times where i think they did a phenomenal job of bringing the movie character character to life true to his movie self in in every way 
Oh, yeah. there was one scene where, uh, you know, someone grabbed the chainsaw and was cutting Chucky in half. And we're getting like sprayed by the blood as the chainsaw is going. It was it was so great. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was fun. This is another one. Absolutely four, absolutely four stars or four pumpkins. Uh, this was my fifth favorite haunts of the night. It, but it was absolutely wonderful. If you like Chucky, you will love it. If you don't like Chucky, you're going to freaking hate it because it is nothing but Chucky. <laughs> 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 oh that's too funny but I, I need to back up one because there was one scene in the the monsters unmasked haunt the french one that i have to talk about and it was a torture chamber where so they had they actually had a person on a rack and were ripping his legs off so this was very reminiscent of a scene that we did back at arkham where we put a real person on a table but dropped his body down uh, underneath the main part of the table had a false torso so we could actually reach inside his torso and rip his guts out they did yeah. something very similar here but i love the way that they did it it was much more comfortable for the actor than ours was so they had him basically leaning back on a board that was probably you know around a 45 degree angle maybe a little bit maybe leaning flat a little bit more than 45 degrees but so he just the actor is just leaning against that and then has the about from his belly button up is him and the rest is fake body. And so you have a real actor there who's able to give credence to the realism of the scene, but the lower half of his body is fake. And so you're able to do all kinds of things to it. And so what they're actually doing here was um, literally ripping his legs off. And so they would pull the feet down and, there would be blood splatter coming out at us, splashing all over us, and strings of flesh connecting the lower part of the leg to the upper part of the leg where it splits. And all it was 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 like uh, rubbery latex. So it stretches. They could actually pull it apart, put it back together. And it was such an easy reset for the actors to do because you're literally just turning, a, turning the thing on the wheel on the rack, rip it apart, Turn it back the other way, put it back together, and you're ready for the next group of people to come in. But the way that it was triggered with water, with sound effects, all together, made it a very believable scare. It was so well-crafted, and I love the way that it was set up. Where were they doing the disarticulation? Where? Uh, in France. No, 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 no. Where, where did the... Um... <laughs> It was basically the lower half of his legs were getting ripped apart just below the knee. Okay, so just below the knee. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah so that's... Like, yeah, because the, um, the disarticulation... Ripping off his legs during... and putting them back. Right, but the disarticulation of using a rack can... Obviously, you get a whole bunch of breaking and cracking at the joints, tendons and ligaments breaking, but it can also um, essentially shear off the top um the endpoints of bone oh yeah through the process of it because depending on a whole bunch of factors the tendon and tendons and ligaments uh -huh. will actually hold on and they are not the most likely place to break the bone mm, itself sure. can be the most likely place to break yeah 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 so I was well, just curious if they were doing it accurately. I, it sounds to me like they were doing it fairly accurately. 
<laughs> we'll we'll have to bring a we'll have to get a doctor in here to to confirm. But yeah, that that right there, like that one scene, probably my favorite scare of the night. I thought it was excellent. Sorry, I had to jump back to that. No, oh, no, you're good. I had to ask about disarticulations. <laughs> yeah. Using the rack. Oh. Okay. Two haunts left, right? Yes. Now we're back into the main part of the upper lot, and um, and there are two haunts built in this area. The first one I went on was called hang on, let me let me pull this one up to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Because it is in Espanol. Oh, I forgot I forgot a key part of Chucky. Um the 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 name of the haunt is called Chucky Ultimate Kill Count. And so <laughs> as you're walking through, there is a kill counter that is increasing with every person that Chucky kills you see the kill count meter increasing room by room and like on, on video. And so you actually see it like kind of scrolling through it. I thought it was, it was a detail I really enjoyed. I thought it was, it was greatly amusing. Right. And very appropriate. And very, so just so appropriate for a serial killer themed haunt. Well, and just for Chucky in general. Yeah, that too. Okay. So the name of this haunt is, Monst monstruos, monstruos, which I assume, yeah, I don't think it's monstruos because there's a U in there. I think I think the U is pronounced. I have to see it right now. But but it, yeah, monstruos. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Monst monstruos. monstruos, something like monstruos, that. Yes, but it, the monsters of Latin America. And first of all, the facade on this one, absolutely no question, hands down, the most beautiful facade of the night. It's set up like a Latin American graveyard. And the the facade itself is um, every time we come to talk about this part of a graveyard, I can never remember what it's called. You have the wall with all of the uh, the graves into the wall. You know what I'm talking about, Les? Yeah, the catacombs. It's not a ca it's not a catacombs. Like you go to a cemetery, and there's a certain part of the cemetery where you just have a bunch of oh, walls standing. Oh, 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 with... oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well. I mean, crypt sometimes, but... It's not a crypt either, because a crypt would be yeah, a standalone I, I... structure. Not always, but yes. Um, not on, always. Yeah, hold Les on. is going to look this up while, while I continue talking. But so, but that's the facade. There were candles in a few of them, lit up uh, and flickering, and it was it looked like... Um, it was designed to look like mausoleum. marble. Mausoleum. It is a mausoleum. So it's set up like a Latin American mausoleum, and it is just absolutely gorgeous. Looks like it's carved out of marble. Very fine carving for all the names and and the details. Just absolutely beautiful. Go check out my Instagram. There was a picture of it on there. Uh, I I loved it. But you enter the mausoleum and then you're like actually in the catacombs. You or you go down into a catacombs and then you go to like a farmhouse scene and and there's just a whole bunch of scenes. And what I loved about this haunt was they took mythology and stories from a part of the world that I am not familiar with and brought it to a new audience in a just really engaging way. I should have done more research so I could identify some of the things that I saw, but like there was definitely a chupacabra recognize the chupacabra, but there was also like something with a, um, the head of a chicken that was pulling out people's entrails. 
very oh, appropriate. That is um hold on. Less we'll look it up. But but I think it was what what I love about this is it was completely original. I've never seen Latin American monsters done anywhere else in a haunted house before. And to bring that to a new audience, I thought was just super cool. I really enjoyed it. On top of that, they this was the one that it really hit me. They were using smell incredibly effectively. Like there was one scene with um with pigs and it smelled like pigs or like you walk into a room full of straw and and you could smell it like it smacks you in the face it was an intense smell i don't know if they're using smell pods or something else but it brought me into the world in a way that none of the other haunts quite did that night so the immersiveness combined with just the absolute beauty of the construction, combined with the complete originality of the monsters that we're seeing. And um, again, not a, I would say, cohesive storyline, but a showcase of all of these legends that I was being introduced to for the first time. I loved that experience. That's awesome. Did you ever, did you find yeah, it less? Yeah, it's, um, if we're talking Aztec, it's, uh, I'm butchering this because <laughs> my Aztec is not great. Um, fair, fair. Huitzilopochtli uh, is um, Aztec son Seems of likely. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I Like I said, I highly recommend. It was wonderful. This is, gets a four and a half out of five pumpkins. Uh, it was my third favorite haunt of the night. Just behind Stranger Things and Last of Us. Nice. And then the final haunt. Evil Dead Rise. An ancient curse rises in a new setting. An L.A. apartment building. The Book of the Dead is about to unleash unimaginable horrors on you and your scream squad. Evil has come home. So, remember earlier I talked about how I talked about the Walking Dead mm -hmm. haunts that... Uh, I went to a few years ago, and we, yep. I talked about extensively on a podcast episode. Objected to strenuously, objected, yes. Objected to strenuously, and there were many things that I hated about it. Yes. This haunt was built in that same building. Hopefully and it was done. No. Oh. No. Oh, dear. Not better done. Worse done. All of the things that I loved about the Walking Dead haunt, um, like... The queue line was spectacular on that haunt. It was, uh, it took us into like an abandoned hospital where the dead had risen. And so there's like medical gear and stuff that we're walking around. And like, it was, it was immersive. Mm -hmm. This was not immersive. This was a conga line that took us through a zombie apocalypse type scene. And all of the things that I hated in The Walking Dead were done exactly the same in this haunt. Oh dear. To be fair to Universal, this was the last one I had gone to. I was tired. I was overwhelmed. The audio throughout the night had been at such a loud volume that I was deadened to it. Mm -hmm. And I had very little energy left for this haunt that may have affected 
my experience? Probably. I mean, you definitely, this is one of the things with these events that are multiple haunted houses all within one area that everyone, you try and, you know, go to as many as possible is you really can and do hit the point of just overload. Saturation. Yeah. Saturation. And so I don't feel like I gave it a fair hearing in part, but also like all of my preconceived notions about the Walking Dead ride, as soon as I realized we were in that same space, all of that came rushing back to me. And that definitely tainted my experience as well. Mm -hmm. This was my least favorite of the night. I thought in general, the storyline was only kind of mediocre. The sets were eh, compared to everything else I had seen. And the scares were predictable and Blech. predictable. They were predictable. Like I hate predictable. And so one, one pumpkin is, is what this haunt gets. Yeah. And it, it was a, it was a disappointment for the last one of the night. Yeah. It sounds like all, it. Of, the, all of that said, like the overall experience, I'm so glad I went but I have a number of frustrations with the way that Universal runs their haunts that need to be aired. I already talked about audio, mm -hmm. or I talked about the volume of the audio. But what I find really interesting, every haunt has its own audio soundtrack. And the, all of the actors' dialogue and the cues for scares are on that audio soundtrack. The actors are given no ability to improvise. They are given no ability to even speak in most cases. There were a few exceptions, but for the most part, everything that is said to the guests is through the audio soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And like in most of the haunts, there was a moment of loud noise every seven to 10 seconds when all of the actors in the entire haunt would jump out at whoever's in front of them. And because it was so frequent and so steady, like I'm a band kid. I pick up on beat just walking in the store and I hear the music playing. I will start walking in time to the music. Like, yeah. It's so like beat is so ingrained in me that irrelevant of the tempo, I'm going to find the beat and to have it as regular as every eight seconds. I knew exactly when every scare was coming. Yeah. And that was such a disappointment to have the entire haunted house choreographed on the same tempo took away any ability of the actors to take advantage of situations and just left me knowing exactly when people are going to jump out. Like, Well, it's, it's a... This is where I see it, kind of where they're trying to come from. Because it sounds like, to some degree, they're trying to make these haunts and the, their ability to use the actors as interchangeably as possible. By having yes. everything on the same beat structure, 
you can rotate people into whichever haunt you need to put them in, especially given just the type of costuming that we've talked about as well. All of these things are fantastic when you're trying to run a haunt from a external logistical perspective. From a let's bring people into the action, it's can be a high risk choice because yes, some people will absolutely not notice it, not get it. Um, but the minute you have people who do, it completely takes them out of the scene. It's a double-edged sword to have your haunt, especially when you're running multiple haunts like this, timed to having everything timed to the same set of beats. Yes, you can absolutely interchange actors uh, based on need and who shows up where. But for anybody that has any sort of experience following um, musical beats or um, show beats, they're going to pick up on it right away. And it's just going to make the entire haunt predictable. Exactly. Exactly. And it, that I found that just so incredibly frustrating because the, the, the worlds that they built inside of these haunts were just so freaking beautiful and immersive for the most part. Not always, for the most part. But like it was, it was a hell of an experience, and for the scares to be so predictable was very frustrating. Yeah, and and to make it worse, there was vast majority was the exact same scare over and over again. They all jump scares. They were all jump scares, and it was all like jumping out from behind a panel. So you would you would walk into a space, there would be like a cutout of the wall and something would jump out from the cutout. It was a hole in the wall that things were jumping out of. Easily, 80% of the scares across the entirety of the nine haunts were like that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the tram out of that, that part of the conversation because just very different setup there. But the other eight haunts, they were eighty percent right. of the other eight haunts were were almost the exact same scare. Yeah, and the but, lack of originality there surprised me. I mean, they set this up and run it for how long? Six weeks. Daily? No, not day. I mean, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week for six or seven weeks. Okay. I mean, if just from a logistical standpoint, trying to put this on. I mean, again. They don't get a pass with this because I mean it's, <laughs> because freaking, it's universal. freaking universal. But say you're a smaller haunt and do not have a budget like Universal, which is you know pretty much all the rest of us. I get it. It makes it easier. You have one thing, one type of thing, and again, you can interchange your actors. It's very very easy to set it up and move people where you need them. Universal does not have this excuse. They literally have professionals everywhere and a budget that most of us can not even dream of. There's a part of me that wonders, though, like, is the are they doing too much and the quality of the show is suffering because of it? I mean, or are they given... just not putting enough resources for what they're putting on? I think it's the second one. I mean... 
just based on your experience with their Walking Dead it was, haunt. I, absolutely, because that was a year-round attraction that was always running, and it had the exact same problems. Yeah, I, I think this is very much more a case of... Like, this is something that they are known for. Oh. People look forward to haunt to horror nights every freaking year, and like the impression that I walked away with was, my haunt is better than many of these. Mm-hmm. It may not be as pretty, but I think the experience is better than many of these. Right. And my budget yeah. was three thousand dollars. Like, yeah, I don't think Universal gets a pass. I think at this point, you know, they're. They're masking quality with quantity. Yes, I, th- I think it's exactly what's happening. So, like, if, if it was me in Universal's front office making all of the decisions for Horror Nights, one, I would hire me for, for starters. <laughs> but of course. Next, but next to that, like, I feel like they have gotten to a point where the amount of budget that they put toward making Horror Nights run is not enough for what they're trying to do. Yeah. And there's a part of me that wonders, like, one, I was there on a Thursday, so I wonder if they don't have it fully staffed because it was a Thursday. But as I mentioned earlier, every night was sold out. Right. So I don't think that's a good reason if they're doing that deliberately. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a good idea. I, I don't think that again. I'm, <laughs> I'm not inclined to give them a pass <laughs> because it's universal, and yeah. you yeah. know we we absolutely know that haunted houses have become, you know, to some degree, significantly more popular, well advertised, etc. In the past few years, so it just feels like a money grab. Where they're putting it, it on, it's still good, but they're trying to do production values as cheaply as possible because they know people will show up because it's universal. Yes. Yes. 100%. I think you just nailed it on the head. And I'm very disappointed in you, Universal. I think you can do better. I know you can do better because I saw it at the Purge show. Like, we didn't yeah. even get to talk about that yet. Yeah. It's. I'm. I'm really getting, the impression that you know, well everybody knows what we do and we do it and everyone's happy, which is great until. That's not what happens, and people are not happy. Overall, I think, my experience at well, let me, let me talk about the purge, the purge show first, because, that was pretty darn cool. So the whole, for those who, who haven't seen the movie, the whole idea behind The Purge is that um, the government is trying to make society less violent by giving everyone one night to basically get all of their violent impulses out. And then for the rest of the year, nobody wants to commit crimes, right? So, <laughs> everything, so everything is legalized for 12 hours. And everyone gets it out of their system, and then you can go back to living a normal, safe life. That, that's the, the premise, right? 
And there have been, I don't even know how many movies at this point. I think two or three movies uh, uh, based four. around this. I it think might, it might be five. I have, I have not, this is not a, a franchise that I have followed closely. Yeah, I, I think they're up to four to five at this point. Like it's okay. it's a pretty it's a pretty large number of films that yeah. they have done and continue to create. Yeah, cash cows. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody so, wants to think about what they could do if they didn't have any consequences for their actions. That that is, yes, I think that's true. So that's that's the premise of the of the movies, right? And what they did is they took that and created a whole live action show around that around that franchise. And it's staged in the facility where Waterworld is normally shown. <laughs> oh my god. If you've never been to Universal and not seen the Waterworld show, you are missing out. Wait, is this based on the Kevin Costner film? It is 100% based on the Kevin Costner film. Oh, and beautiful. Yes, so the, the now I gotta give a little more background. The premise of the Kevin Costner film is that the Arctic ice caps have melted and almost all of the land has been completely submerged. And so humanity has survived by building these man-made structures they call atolls that everybody lives on. And there's basically a, not exactly an arms race, but everyone is looking for land because it's going to be the most valuable resource in the world, right? Yep. Yeah, and that so, sums it up. thank you. I, I, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that did it. I mean, so. And then there's just Kevin Costner. And then there's Kevin Costner. <laughs> so, in this, this live action show that they have created, one of the atollers comes back with dry land, like a sample of dry land. I have seen dry land and I have proof. And it's basically the hope for the world. But then the bad guys show up and there's a massive gun battle. There are explosions, there's pyrotechnics, and there's a freaking airplane that is catapulted over the, uh, over the facade structure of the set that lands in the water and crashes. It's phenomenal. Like, <laughs> my, that Waterworld is one of my wife's favorite movies. I think it's cheesy as hell. It is cheesy as hell. That's why it's such a good movie. That's part of why she enjoys it. You're not wrong. Like, it's one of those movies of, oh my god, this is terrible. I love it so much. I can't stop watching it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I would not call it a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But it is absolutely f***ing entertaining. Yep. The set that they built us on is basically a giant swimming pool. Like, picture... I don't know. The Orca Tank at SeaWorld. Like size of swimming pool and the set is built on top of the swimming pool so you have people on jet skis you have people on like airboats and just all kinds of stuff come flying in and and doing stuff you have people dying and falling off this three-story set into the water and and it's honestly spectacular so (laughs) they took all of that and then made a purge show using that set and it's, it's basically the exact same set. They light it differently. The jet skis have lights all over them, so they come in and they're glowing. And But you, we still have pyrotechnics. And the cool thing about this being at night, now we have, like, haze effects and laser effects and stuff that you can't do during the day, but made it, well, honestly, 
the last scene of the bird show was kind of like, I don't know, a what's that really f***ing annoying music that they play in clubs? It's like bump, 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 EDM, e- electronic dance music. EDM, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's electronic dance music. Lasers going everywhere, lights going everywhere. It was it was cool. I enjoyed it. But the premise of the show is that two sisters who had lost their parents in the purge years ago were hunting down the senator who was originally responsible for creating the purge. And they track him to this offshore oil platform where he had been taken refuge to hide himself during the purge. And they murder the f- out of him. Excellent. And I don't use that term lightly. Because, like, the level of gore that they achieved in this live show was impressive. Very impressive. Especially because they're doing it three times a night or something like that. So they've got a good reset basis. They've got a great reset basis. They were, I don't know what they were using, but, like, they would be beating each other with, uh, with melee weapons, bats or pipes or whatever. And I was sitting all the way at the back of the arena, almost as far back as you could get. And I could see blood splatter coming from these weapons. Like, I want to know how they do it because it was freaking awesome. And that's where that is a production value. This is their bread and butter. Like, this is what Universal does. They do special effects. They do all of these, these things for movies. It's what they're good at. And so I would expect this to be a spectacle. And it delivered. Holy moly, it delivered. It was a blast. I don't even particularly care for the franchise, as I said, because I'm not into just like serial killing, blood and gore. That's not true. I love serial killing, blood and gore. What am I talking about? I don't know. Something about the purchase has never really appealed to me. Well, but I still the premise is flawed. Why do you say that? Because it won't actually prevent people from doing violence yeah. the rest of the time? I I got to do whatever I wanted for 24 hours, and that satiates me for the next 365 days. No, it's not. (laughs) Freaking kidding me? All it's going to do is escalate because you're going to find so many more people who otherwise would never have attempted this, who suddenly realize, ooh, I like this. I I like this feeling of power. I need to have more of it. So, I I mean, the entire premise is flawed. Well, I wonder if that's not, like, exactly what happens in the movies. Like, after seeing the show, I kind of want to go back and watch the movie now and see if they address some of these, I'm going to just say concerns. When your basic premise is questionable, (laughs) because of human nature, not because of, of course there'd be nobody running around taking people's faces off with a chainsaw. Right. But when when your basic premise is human nature will be okay with this, that's where I run into problems, which is why I hate economists. (laughs) Why I hate economists. Oh, you amuse me. To no end. I have major issues with economics and economists, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because their base premise is wrong. Human beings are not inherently rational. I can't even argue. Like, No. I'm as, I'm as irrational up, as they come. Anytime I brought that up, I've argued with Alex over this multiple times. God, I don't even know how many hours we spent arguing over the fact that <laughs> he could never convince me. He could never convince me that that basic premise wasn't completely flawed, making the entire, entire profession highly suspect. Highly suspect. Highly suspect. Exactly. So let, let, let's sum up. Was it worth it? Unquestionably, I think the experience was overall absolutely worth it going to. I'm, I'm glad I did it. It's rare to have the opportunity 
to see eight haunted houses in a night. I mean, most places, most people will not see eight haunted houses in a year, much less eight haunted houses in a night. The haunted houses overall were uh, very beautifully constructed. They were fascinating and, and really fun storylines. Oh, and Universal has that ability to uh, to bring in characters that you will not be able to see anywhere else. So it, it really is your only opportunity to dive into a movie and become a character of the movie. All of that being said, I think they could do better at that. <laughs> I mean, again, that seems to be our general consensus of, of Universal's. With Universal, exactly. And it's it's very, <laughs> it's a little bit disappointing. Like, after going, I did some research on, like, I wasn't even doing research. I was just scrolling through Hunter's Hangout or something. And I saw something, I saw a post where someone was discussing this very topic. And consistently across the board everyone was saying don't go to universal go to not scary farm mm. i'm like well shit, i wish someone had told me that last week <laughs> <laughs> but no i i'm glad i went it was i enjoyed the experience it gave me a ton of ideas of things that i think that we can do in our own haunt particularly like uh, in construction techniques and ways of making our our walkthrough more not immersive but blocking out the outside world a little bit more thoroughly I love the the effect that the ten foot walls gave. You know, our walls at Sanguine last were were closet doors, and so at its max, we're talking they were how tall am I? I'm six feet, so they they may have been six and a half to seven feet tall in general. And it was, I mean, it's noticeable because you can see over the walls anywhere you're looking. By making them ten feet, there was never a time when just in me looking around that in my peripheral vision, I could see the top of the walls. And that made the the experience more immersive. It also helps with sound control. Sound is going to carry over walls that are just above an adult human head height. Yes. It's not going to carry if it has to go up and over nearly as much. So again, you can maintain just that much more of a surprise Yes, absolutely. What, um, you're building and creating. Yep, you you are absolutely right there, Les. And um, I love the way that they did ceilings. The stretching the fabric over the top, underneath the tent. I really like how that gives us the ability to hide all of our systems, our lighting, our sound up above the ceiling in a place where people will never see it, and uh, and maintain that immersive environment, maintain the storyline, maintain the suspension of disbelief for all the people walking through. Absolutely fantastic. And I really like the way that they, in a couple of cases, like with, with Last of Us and with Stranger Things, I like the way that they introduce the story at the beginning and then carry it through the haunt because those are the ones that made me, or those are the ones that allowed me to immerse myself in the story in a way that I was, was not able to in some of the others. I think we do a better job of providing a variety of scares and giving our actors the freedom to do that. It's a little bit more work on our end, but I think it's producing a better quality of show and well worth the extra work. And again, Amy, it's universal. You're going to go. You're going to go because you can get through eight haunts and all this other stuff within a day or an evening. And it's trading on the name. It's universal everybody's going to go. That's not going to change just because we look at their production values and go, Ugh. Exactly. Exactly. 
But if you want a better quality of production value, go check out Second Creek Estates next time we're open. (laughs) 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 And I promise you will at least be as disappointed as you would be if you were to go to Universal. But you'll have spent a lot less money. Yes. In general, (laughs) no money. Uh, Maybe a can of food if you're feeling generous. Yes. So that's my that's our wrap up of Universal Studios Hollywood's Halloween Horror Nights. I hope one day to make it down to Orlando just to see how it's different because I've heard that that show is a little bit better than Hollywood's is, and and so I think I would love to be able to compare. Maybe one day into the future I'll I'll have that opportunity. But for this year we have to wrap up. Yep. You want to give us a rundown of our of our social media list. So funny that you always ask me for that. You really just need to like get it on recording for John from John and just slip it in. <laughs> I never remember all the different things. So go check out all of our social media. I posted a ton of pictures up on Instagram at hunting university where, uh, that I took the night I was there and it'll, it'll give you an insight into, into some of the experience that we just talked about here tonight. That also, of course, it went over to Facebook at facebook.com slash haunting you, just the letter U. Uh, if you prefer that over Instagram, you'll you'll find the pictures on both. And definitely go check out our YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash at haunting you. And because we are in the process of putting up all the videos from the builds from this year, 2023. So lots of new content coming your way uh, up on our Facebook page. Go check it out at, at, because it may inspire you to do your own really awesome builds. And of course, you can find the entire library of the Haunting You podcast at our website, hauntingyou.com. Uh, there you'll find our events calendar with all of the events coming up in the uh, in the haunted attraction industry, primarily conventions and things. I do not put haunts on there because there are far too many and plenty of other places where you can find local haunts. Uh, but you will find all of the uh, all of our partnerships and the great deals that our partners are offering to our listeners. Uh, Spectral Illusions, of course, has to get a particular shout out here because they are uh, one of our best sponsors. Uh, and you can get... 20% or excuse me, 15% off of your digital effects order by using the code HauntingU15. Less. what else do we need to say before we wrap it up? Well, I think the most important thing is for those of you who are still building your haunts, best of luck. You'll make it. Don't worry about it. It'll all get done. To those of you who are getting ready to open your haunt, either this weekend or next, best of luck. And Break a leg. I, Not yeah. a patron's leg. <laughs> only if they misbehave. <laughs> only if they misbehave. But yes, best of luck to all the haunts getting ready to open and for the rest of you throughout the course of your season. This is our uh, our October episode. It, we, there will not be another one before we get to Halloween, but we will. We are planning to release a special episode on Halloween with more of our favorite spooky stories. So you can look forward to that uh, on October 31st. So because of that, good luck to everyone. We hope you have a fantastic season and we will see you after the season. Well, from all of us here at Haunting You, happy haunting, and we'll see you again next time. Bye, everybody! (laughs) We are incredibly thankful to all the sponsors who make this show possible, particularly our premium sponsors, the Chamber of Haunters and Fear Expo. You can learn more at chamberofhaunters.com and fearexpolive.com. Check out the Haunting You podcast at hauntingyou.com for more information on everything that we do.
Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see the show notes for more information on all the clips used in this episode.